0: All right, so I feel like, I don't know, it's been a bit of a break with everybody being sick, with travel, with mission focus. um, Oh, no, feels like it's like Sam was saying, it's time to get back to normal. We're... uh, We're kind of in the middle of our series on Israel, God's timepiece. So we're taking a break from expository preaching because October when Hamas attacked Israel, the whole world became polarized basically into two camps. It's like, do you support the Palestinians or do you support Israel? Okay, and it just seemed like at that time, reading the headlines of the newspaper was like reading Matthew chapter 24. Like, what are the signs of the end, the disciples asked Jesus. And he's like, well, Hamas is going to attack. It just seemed like that. So we're doing this series on Israel, God's timepiece. And some of the things that we've covered, uh, we covered how Israel is God's timepiece, and we looked at the parable of the fig tree out of Matthew. You guys remember that? who 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 was here for that? So how ha- okay, a few of us okay we, we looked at Israel as God's timepiece. I'm not going to re-preach that in review time, but it's out there. We then looked at the fact that the rapture, the tribulation, Christ's second coming, Armageddon, and the millennium are all things that the Bible talks about, okay Therefore you need to put those things, on your biblical timeline right somewhere so <clears throat> if you start if you go to YouTube and you just start studying this what you're gonna find is there there's just winds of doctrine blowing every direction um, okay how do we get a biblical timeline of events and we looked at rightly reading Revelation Who was here for that? See, COVID and the flu. You can't can't do a series because we all get the flu and we can't come. And Okay, you rightly read Revelation based on Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 and Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, and that has you dividing up the book of Revelation into three parts. What are they? Come on, past present and everyone knows the future okay now you divide up Revelation into those three sections based on two events which are what okay the yes the two times in Revelation where heaven is opened heaven opens two times in the book of Revelation and it divides the book into past, present and future from the perspective of the Lord's day, which we got from Revelation chapter 119. So, rapture, uh, the heaven opens up in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. The rapture typified the trumpet sounds, the voice says, come up hither. And all of a sudden, John's like, I was, I was in heaven. Like, the church is not mentioned. Okay, so it's all about the church in the first three chapters. The church is not mentioned again as hell breaks loose on earth. And four different views of the great tribulation happen until Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, when heaven is opened again and Christ descends and he's on his white horse and he's got his army and it's the battle of Armageddon and the very next chapter is the millennial reign, the thousand year reign. So if we can rightly read Revelation... Okay, and You have to have those four verses, Revelation 110, Revelation 119, Revelation 4-1, Revelation 19 11. And if you can have those four things in your mind, you can know what order, the tribulation, the rapture, the battle of Armageddon, the millennium, all that stuff takes place. Now, I'm not going to teach that now. Just by way of review, though, that's out there. We covered that. then last time, uh, Scott taught on Daniel's 70th week. Daniel's 70th week, who's familiar with that? Okay. Man, Daniel's 70th week is a prophecy that God gives to Daniel, and he talks about the 70 weeks, which are really 77-year timeframes, time frames, in which he's going to do some stuff. And he's like, it's going to take 70 weeks to accomplish these things that I want to accomplish. And then he says this. It's super interesting. He goes, there's 69 weeks. Then Messiah shall be cut off. Then some other things are going to happen. Then the 70th week comes. Okay, how weird is that? There's 70 weeks. There's 69 weeks, then there's some things are going to happen, and then the 70th week happens. If you were to lay out a time frame, you wouldn't say, okay, hey, I'm going to plan out my next week. So the work week, the five days are going to look like this. Then I'm going to take a break between day five and day six. I'm going to do a whole bunch of stuff. Then day six is going to start. It's like you're creating a, a time that doesn't exist to do some things, right? Okay, hello, that's exactly what God did. He had all these plans for Israel, but then Messiah, the promised Messiah was cut off, but not for himself. But he went to the cross, and then what happened? There's a 2,000-year period of time in which God's doing some stuff. Now, that's between the 69th week and the 70th week. Now, the 70th week is the Great Tribulation. So it's cryptic, meaning it's kind of hidden. Like we can look back on it, and what Scott did was well, Scott did the math. We felt like we were in calculus class. We were kind of like, "I, am I the only one who doesn't know how to do math?" Like, but what we see is it plays out from Cyrus's decree until nation, till till the na- till Israel became a nation again. God told us how long that was going to take, and that's exactly how long it took. So it's 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 super affirming that God's word is, is that. So we looked at that last week. Um, this week, we're going to look at some headlines, and we're going to try to understand them in light of what the Bible says. Now, in order to do this, okay, so we want to be like the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. So they knew the times in which they lived, they, they got it, they, they could relate what was happening in their lives to what God had said, to know what Israel ought to do. And that's what, that's kind of my heart for this series for us, you guys, is do we know the times in which we live? And based on that understanding, do you know what to do? Okay. This is a good study. This is what we need to do. So we're just going to look at some headlines. Now, before we get there, for us to understand the times in which we live, we have to have a biblical worldview that includes times. There are very, very popular doctrines out there that say Christ's finished work was so complete that there's nothing else left to do. There is no millennium, that's just allegorical, it's a spiritual picture of what Christ did for us. There is no second coming, we are ushering in the kingdom by just being nice, being good neighbors. That's the best you can do because God's already done everything including deciding who's gonna be lost and who's gonna be saved, we don't, all we have to do is enjoy our savedness, our election, And there's there are no times. Okay, it's called amillennialism. It says there is no thousand-year reign. So that thousand-year reign described over and over and over and over again in Revelation chapter 20 is just allegory. It's just a picture. Does this make sense? According to such doctrines, there are no times to understand. Does this make sense? It's like they're, they're... we, t- we, we have a view of scripture that's called dispensationalism or dispensational theology, which basically says there, there are times like how you get saved in the tribulation, according to the Bible, is different than how you get saved in the church age. That's a different time. So we read Matthew, you know, we read Mark where it's talking about you're in danger of hellfire if you call your brother a fool. It's like, uh-oh pretty sure i called my brother a fool i had you know got three brothers okay if i don't endure till the end if i don't get my head cut off if i don't harbor a jew am i in danger of hellfire well no not in the not in the times in which we live but there is a time coming where that will be the expression of faith does that make sense you guys so we need to have a biblical worldview that includes times. So what God is doing now in our time, we can actually know that, we can understand that, we can interpret that. We don't have to look at the world just based on secular anthropology, history, what the news media says, et cetera. Okay, so then we we so we need to have a Biblical worldview that includes times. We also need to have a biblical mindset. So knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So knowledge is simply this. We need to know what is said in the word. If I don't know what the times are and what our time looks like, I can't really relate what I'm hearing to the word because I don't know the word. So we do need to simply know what is said in the word. And this part of the message kind of is just dovetails with what Sam said in first service. If we don't know the word, then then it it makes it pretty hard to live a victorious Christian life. So the application is, yes, Christine. A biblical worldview, what that means is that my understanding of the world and how it works comes from what the Bible says. Okay, so what a lot of people do is they have a cultural worldview that's based on what mama said and based on what grandma said and based on what grandpa said and based on what I like to see, like what's true for me is true for me and that resonates with me, that doesn't resonate with me and and then we build a worldview that is either based on the fact that God created you because he wanted to, because he loved you, He wanted to have a relationship with you, and then he affirms that by sending Christ to die on the cross for you. And then we can, okay, so that there is a God, he is running everything. He gives us free will, but there is a God, and and he's doing what he said he would do according to God's word. A non-biblical worldview would be something like what you were taught in elementary school. What you were taught in junior high, and high school, and college, in your philosophy class. And you were taught that you are the product of evolution. And that as a humanist, okay, um, you are the pinnacle of all creation. You're basically like gods. Like you're the best this world can produce, which came from nothing. Now what happens sometimes is people will add religion. They'll add church to a secular worldview, so they don't actually believe the Bible. So does this, is it, am I missing anything in terms of worldview? Does that make sense? Okay. Um. Yeah, thank you. That's good. Oh, on the wrong way. Go figure. Okay, we need to know what's said in the word. Understanding, we need to know how to connect what is happening in the world which, with what is Said in the word, so I need to know what the word says, but I can't just like partition that off in my mind or in my heart as churchy stuff stuff I do on Sundays and Tuesday nights, or maybe at Bible study. And then the rest of my world, including what I read on the news, what I see happening around the world, is separate from the churchy Bible stuff. What I have to do if I'm going to be like the men of Issachar, like right. Daniel. Like the wise men. They're like, there it is. Or it's like, what? The star we've been waiting for. People are like, what star? They're like, haven't you been reading what Daniel left us? Like they knew the times. They knew what to do because they knew what Scripture said. That's, that's what we want to do is be able to bring these two things together. And then in terms of wisdom, we need to know what to do about it. So if I know what the Bible says, knowledge, and I can assimilate the things that I see and hear with what the Bible says, and then know how to respond biblically. I have a biblical mindset. So the men of Issachar were men of understanding of the times, and they knew what Israel should do. Now, who do you think God used? You think God's going to use people who don't know what the Bible says? Who don't assimilate? They're not able to 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 do that, and then they don't know what to do. Now, bless their heart, God spoke through Balaam's ass. He could, he could use anybody, but we want to be we want to have a biblical mindset and a biblical like it's important now because we're in the end times. Okay, you guys with me so far? I'm gonna grab my tablet. Just this morning, I went to Newsweek. I thought, well, that's the headlines for the week. And um, you know what it was? It was earthquakes, war, and rumors of war. So sorry, I should have done this before. But I was drawing my third grade map before. So. <laughs> All right, so Newsweek, um, World, Russia loses 36 artillery systems in a day. Russia says it shot down two Ukrainian jets in 24 hours. Ukraine receives devastating F-16 news. Germany under increasing pressure to send Tarsus missiles to Ukraine. Russia... Why Russia's growing reliance on China should worry Putin. Russian war map. Russians' inability to establish air support superiority, undermine operations. Um, Crimean command center. China deployed over 1,700 military planes around Taiwan in 2023. Here's the one that's not rumors of war or earthquakes. Archaeologists' pagan temple find challenges history of Roman Christianity. Researchers have uncovered the ruins of a temple from the Roman period that's thought. Thaw- yeah. China shows key alliances, allegiances, as U.S. Navy drills ruffle Beijing. Biden offers $10 million to help take down Hamas donors. Air Defense oh here's one King Charles's Epstein scandal. Um, okay, and then the last one on the front page, Taylor Swift dragged into Taiwan election fight amid China tensions. Taylor Swift she canceled her concert in Taiwan, so now everybody's mad because, like she has to pick sides between China and Taiwan uh so. Travis yes, okay But it was it was war in Russia and Ukraine War the Israel Hamas war and then tensions with China and Taiwan in uh, The New Year's address the leader of China said Taiwan will be and and China will be one it will happen we hope to do it without war but it will happen and so we have just wars and rumors of war. Uh, this is from January 1st. Massive quake jolts Japan as the coast is evacuated. Horrible, devastating earthquake in Japan. This more, As of this morning, the death toll was 126 with hundreds missing. We need to pray for Japan and for that. Reunification with Taiwan, inevitable. That's what Xi Jinping said. In his New Year's address. So this is all from just this week. This is just this is from the last week. Um, Ukraine attacked Belregard. So Russia attacked Ukraine, and then there, they they attacked back. And so Ukraine is now taking ground back from Russia. That was on the thirtieth. Hezbollah rocket. Uh, Hezbollah fires rockets at Israel in response to killing of top Hamas leader. So Hezbollah fired dozens of rockets from Lebanon into northern Israel on Saturday, warning that the barrage was the initial response, great, they're saying this is just the beginning, the initial response to the targeted killing, presumably by Israel, of a top Hamas leader in the Lebanon's capital, Earlier this week. This is from yesterday on CBS News. And so here I just wanna spend a minute on this because this is a Hezbollah leader that was killed in Lebanon. Okay, Hezbollah is here in Lebanon. Can you kind of way to explain who they are? They like a soft or they you like know, Okay. Um, we got the Houthis. All right. Hezbollah is a Shiite militant group in Lebanon. Okay. They are backed by Syria, and they're backed by Iran, okay? Hamas is a Sunni Islamic group, okay? They're backed by, like, Iraq, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Qatar. The Houthis are a tribe down in Yemen. I ran out of Space, but Yemen is right down here at the bottom of Saudi Arabia. And it's a tribe of people, but they've developed their own sort of militant Islamic group. And they're the ones that are attacking all the ships. So the US has responded, and we've been like, we're not at war with them, but we're, we, our helicopters are like, we're shooting back and forth. Okay. So what happened was Israel attacked. Um wait, not a Hezbollah not a Hezbollah leader. A Hamas leader. What's a Hamas leader doing in Lebanon? Because let me tell you this: the Sunnis and the Shiites hate each other. Absolutely hate each other. Why would they come together and be unified and confederate? Why would Israel be firing rocket ships into Syria and Lebanon to kill Hamas leaders. So now Hezbollah, not Hamas, Hezbollah is firing back out of Lebanon, okay, attacking Israel. It's been doing the same thing in Syria. Now, we've got troops. The U.S. has troops in Iraq Okay, and Iran has been attacking, it's not the country of Iran, it is these militant groups has been attacking the U.S., and so we're firing back. So what's happening is, here's Israel, and we've got these people up here attacking them. We've got Hamas attacking them, Okay, that's what started it all. Jordan, who has been at, officially at war, but they've been at peace, are building up, okay, they're building up their army here along the border. Our Secretary of State has made four trips since this, he just got back from Jordan. So he came here to try to prevent this from becoming an all-out war, okay? Because what's happening is Saudi Arabia was about to sign a peace treaty with Israel, okay, a peace accord, not a treaty, and then all this happened, and all that is getting threatened. Okay, so I just I we read about this from, from yesterday in the news, and, and it makes us think of all this stuff. Meanwhile, the whole world is trying to decide whose side am I gonna be on? Have you guys seen this stuff? From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. You guys know where that comes from? Okay, so Hamas has had that phrase in place since the 60s, and Israel's like, oh, we're supposed to, like, how are we supposed to think of that, okay? You're going to push us off into the sea is, is the message that's being received here. Now, this is being, okay, here's where you need to have a biblical worldview, because people who don't have a biblical worldview, they see from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. And they got the Black, Black Lives Matter hand, right? From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And this is social justice needs to take place. Because those colonizers, okay, the perpetrators... The 1% okay, have come in and they've taken land that doesn't belong to them. And just like India had to get its liberty from the colonizer, just like, okay, okay they're, they're looking at it that way. You can get your free Palestine. This one's the same thing. It's like that, yeah. Okay, why? Because the Palestinians need to, to throw off. The oppressive colonizers. Make sense? Okay, this is cultural Marxism being disguised as social justice. And that's how, that's why so many people are on the side of Hamas after they did absolutely horrible, barbaric things because all of this is being seen as social justice. Well, shouldn't we have social justice? The only problem is that's. If we're going to have a biblical worldview and understand things from a biblical perspective, it's different. Okay, so so there was an article from the Jewish Times or the Jewish, I'm sorry, the Jewish Journal, Jewish Journal that talked about this. Palestine will be free from the river to the sea. And they made the point. This is a this this rhetoric this sort of motto or slogan is very inflammatory at the very least and its roots go back into terrorism okay why would anybody choose this why not choose the motto or the slogan Israel Palestine two peoples in one land okay and here was their conclusion the answer is simple The social justice advocates fighting for Palestinian freedom do not view these two peoples as equal. They consider Jews in Palestine to be unwelcome settlers who perhaps will be allowed to remain in a liberated Palestine so long as they accept their position of inferiority. Rather than viewing the current conflict as a struggle between two nations with legitimate ancestral claims to one land, They view Israel as a European colonial project that must be dismantled, much like Europe's former colonies in Africa and Asia were undone. Leaving the name Israel in place would legitimize ascribed Jewish imperialism. That's what, you guys following me? This is what's happening. This is the mindset that's taking place. Okay, so turn to Psalm 83. And let's see if we can interpret these these uh, headlines from Scripture. Okay, Psalm 83, verse 1. Keep not thy silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may no more be in remembrance. Okay, time out, real quick, right there. They are trying to get rid of the name of Israel. They want... the. they refuse to admit there even is a nation of Israel. It's like, hey, let's talk about Israel. And they're like, no, 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 no. There is no Israel. And they don't want a two-state solution because they want Israel gone. Israel is just a call. Does this make sense? The motivation for their actions are hatred, and it's to rid the world of Israel. They're not, they don't want a two state solution. Israel has over and over again agreed to give land for peace because they want peace. These nations don't want peace. They want to wipe Israel off the map, and it's a map, and it's a hatred of the God of the Bible because they worship the God of the Quran. Okay, so Psalm 83. For they have consulted together with one consent, they are confederate against thee. Okay, so they have become unified in their purpose based on hatred. That's exactly what we're seeing right now. If if someone would have said the Shiites and Sunnis are going to work together, you'd think you'd be crazy, but that's exactly what's happening, is they're working together to get rid of Israel. Okay, the tabernacles... Of Edom and the Ishmaelites, of Moab and the Hagarines. Okay, that's southern Jordan and Arabia. Okay, right, right here we're looking at this area. Moab and the Hagarites. That's central and north Jordan. That's right here. Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Lebanon, Syria, and the Sinai Peninsula. Lebanon, Syria, the Sinai Peninsula, Philistia, Gaza Strip. What the inhabitants of Tyre, that's up here in Lebanon, that's which it's interesting, the inhabitants, because the the people groups have all mingled. So it's the people who are living here at this time. So Iran is funding a lot of this stuff. Iran's kind of the Persia, is the power behind the. the Shiite Muslim activity. Assyria has joined them. That's Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq, kind of all these areas up in here, the people groups that have formed them. Okay, so Psalm 83 said, because of a hatred for the nation of Israel to wipe Israel off the map, the people groups that form these nations are all going to work together, which is kind of a political impossibility, but that's what's going to happen. Okay, Gaza, specifically, Philistia, are all going to come in and they're going to work together to try to destroy Israel. Okay, knowing Psalm 83 and and seeing what's happening in the news right now, we can put all this together. We're living in Psalm 83 right now. We're seeing this prophecy from this psalm Take place. Okay, so what do we do about it? All right, so this is a prayer. Okay, so that all these attacks don't work, that the that the enemies of God be destroyed. Okay, look at verse jump down with so and that's described throughout the rest of the psalm, but jump down with me to verse 16. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Okay, these countries are being motivated by a hatred toward God and what God's doing. The prayer is, look, defeat them, destroy them, fill their faces with shame. Why? Because we hate them too? No. No, it's so that they may seek thy name. If they wipe Israel off the map, what about God's promises? What about God's people? What about the light that shines in the dark? What about the love of God? What about the gospel when Israel is atoned for and, and, and finds her Savior in, in the tribulation? Israel has to survive. But it's so that these people can, can seek His name. Verse 17, let them be confounded and troubled forever. Let them be put to shame and perish. Why? Because we hate them? Because we want to wipe them off the earth? No. Verse 18, that men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah are the most high over all the earth. See, Israel has to survive. Because what's going to happen is the the end of our time, at the end of the church age, there's going to be a great tribulation. But during that time, Israel will come to know her Savior. She'll recognize her Messiah, blindness in part. This happened to Israel, but there's a time coming, Daniel's 70th week, because okay, there's a time coming when our time ends, the church age ends, and it goes to a time of tribulation, and people are going to see it. Okay, so, so that's where all this is going. I just wanted to, to take some time to look at, our current headlines from the last week in light of Psalm 83. Now, that's one chapter and just a handful of headlines. We could go to the Gog-Magog war. Magog is is like Russia. Okay? By the way, Russia is invested heavily in Syria. Okay, Russia is, is Magog. Oh, by the way, the U.S. is heavily invested in Israel and Saudi Arabia. Like, in other words, this thing could blow up into a world war. And that's what everybody's trying to, to go. But, but we could go to Ezekiel 38 and look at the Gog-Magog war. Maybe maybe we could do that if we want to do that. But what what we want to be able to do is have a biblical worldview, and we want to have a biblical mindset so we know what the Bible says. We can read current events in light of scripture, and then we'll know what to do. So, what do let's just let's just have a discussion here. Or actually, we'll do this in small groups. One thing, one application from this is we need to pray for Israel's victory and salvation for all involved. Israel's salvation. Okay, all these different nations, we want to pray for their salvation. You're like, well, Chris, this is all too heady. Okay, you got anyone in your life who needs their current situations to come to an end so that they can see God's face and they can come to realize he alone is the most high God? You got any wayward children? Here's the prayer. Oh, God, make the world unsatisfactory. God, hedge in their path so they can't continue to live a life that's 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 unbiblical, that has got to come to an end. They have to seek your face. And, does that make sense? God, you have to win in the life of my kid, my parent, my brother, my spouse—not my spouse, but your spouse. No, I'm kidding. Makes sense. Personal application we could take from this pattern that we see. Let's go and break up into small groups. We've got some time. And, And let's just discuss these things, particularly how we need to make sure we have a biblical worldview that includes the times. Where are we at in terms of our biblical mindset and what's keeping us from doing what we did today? What's keeping you from doing what we did today? And just look at the headlines in terms of biblical truth and be able to put it all together. Make sense? All right. So let's go ahead and break up. I'll come back up at uh, in about 19 minutes and close us out.